Welcome to the Go Forth and Golf Podcast, where you can listen to everything related to the game of golf. Golf tips to help you improve your golf game, entertaining interviews, discussions about the latest in golf equipment, and so much more. Now, here is your host, PGA professional, Steve Goforth. Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of Go Forth and Golf. I am your host Steve Goforth, PGA professional, owner of Go Forth Golf Instruction and head professional at Willow Creek Golf Club. I got a fantastic episode for you. I'm really excited about this one. How many of you out there get over those short putts and you're frustrated, you're nervous, you're scared and you miss it? It's a scary feeling. I'm going to give you some tips today that's going to help you make those putts, give you that confidence, give you the consistency that you're looking for to make those putts. That's what this is all about, having the confidence, having the consistency, and you're going to make more short putts, I can promise you, after listening to this episode. My guest today is Jordan Crandall, FootJoy representative. We're going to talk about the wonderful company at FootJoy, the history behind that company, their latest shoes that they just came out with, how to pick the best shoe for you. How many times have you been standing in the golf shop looking at all these marvelous shoes in front of you, but you have no clue which one to go with? Jordan's going to help you with that. And we talk about so much more. And finally, Masters Week is upon us. I am super excited. I cannot wait for this year's tournament. Back to its traditional spot of April. I'm going to give you my top 10 picks of who I think's got the best chances of winning this golf tournament. Some interesting statistics that go along with that. Who do you think is going to win? Compare it to what I'm predicting, and let's see who puts on that green jacket this year. I don't want to waste any more time. Let's jump right into this marvelous episode. I know you'll like it. Episode number 17 is coming at you. Let's tee it up. Oh, he got all of that one. Let me tell you something. Those short putts can really get the best of us, can't they? I think we've all been victim of it. You know, we walk up to the putt, and we're just going to tap it in, and be done with it and go on to the next hole. And lo and behold, here comes the yips. We black out. We wake up. It's like, what happened? And you missed a putt. And what makes it worse is for that par save or it's for that birdie. Maybe it's for a bogey save. And our buddies are right there with us and witnessing the whole thing, just piling on the embarrassment and the frustration that we already feel in ourselves because we missed a putt that we feel like we should make. So I'm going to go over some tips today that I think will really help you a lot. It's going to help you be more effective, and most of all, it's going to help you be more confident. And that's what this putt boils down to is confidence, not being scared to step up over that ball and make that putt, that knee knocker that we get. So being able to step up there and know without a shadow of a doubt it's going to go in the hole. And even if it doesn't go in the hole, we had that confidence to help it go in the hole, and confidence is huge in this game, as you know, especially with putting. So I'm gonna jump into these tips that I know will help you. Get ready to take some notes. All you gotta do is just tap it in. Just tap it in. First and foremost, you definitely wanna develop a pre-putt routine. That's gonna be key to this. Part of that is an effective alignment process. Either finding a spot right in front of your ball that's gonna be on that line you wanna hit, or using that line on the ball to help you as well. You need to understand that most putts within five feet are probably not going to be outside the cup. And that should make it a lot easier for you. You may have to go left side cup, right side cup, or of course dead center of it. 
But once you find that line, whatever it may be, you have to make sure you're lined up properly. Otherwise, this is a complete waste of time, right? So have a routine, whether it be figuring out which way the, the putt's going to break, having your alignment process, stepping up over the ball, doing a couple putting strokes, do a couple looks at the hole, maybe loosen the grip a little bit in your hand, and then pull the trigger. So have an established routine because it's going to make you feel a lot more comfortable. And going back to what I've mentioned in previous podcasts, having a routine will help you be more error-free. And we don't have that routine, we tend to make mistakes. So really important, develop that routine, come up with your own, that way you own it, like I've said before, and then that way you guarantee yourself more consistency with these putts. The next thing you want to focus on is making sure you've got that grip positioned in the palm of your hands, not in the fingers. We put it in the palm of our hands because that's going to reduce the amount of hand and wrist movement we have in this putting stroke. When we get over these short putts, we get more nervous, right? And so when we get nervous, our sensory muscles want to take over, which is our fingers and our hands and our wrists. And then that's where the yips come from. So make sure you have that putter firmly placed in the palm of your hand, both of your thumbs going down that flat front of the putter grip, and that's going to help stabilize that putter face a lot more so that it won't twist and move. And most importantly, it's going to take out the risk of your hands and wrists getting involved. Just use your arms and shoulders to make this putting stroke. When you step up over that putt, it's important to have positive thoughts. Don't think negative stuff. Don't think about that putt you missed a, a few holes ago or a few rounds ago. Don't worry about that. Put it out of your mind. You have to think positive thoughts. See that ball going in the hole. Take a deep breath and relax. It starts with your grip pressure, so make sure you're gripping it light. But take a deep breath. See the putt going in the hole. Focus on that routine I mentioned just a minute ago. Make your putt. But positive thoughts can never steer you in the wrong direction. Even if you miss that putt, you still gave yourself a chance. You never really give yourself a chance when you step up over a putt with a negative thought in your mind because your body's going to replicate whatever the brain's seeing. If the brain is seeing a missed putt to the right, then your body's going to do everything it can to produce that. So positive thoughts, really important these short putts. Give it a try. You'll think you'll be really pleased with it. All right, we're getting ready to make the putting stroke. You want to keep that takeaway nice and short. I tell all my students, keep it short and sweet. A short takeaway has a sweet result. The ball is going to go in the hole more often. So you don't need to take that putter back very far because all you're doing is giving that putter head more chances of rotating or opening and closing. So keep it nice and short on the takeaway, and that will really help you Keep that putter face pointing down your intended line that you've already lined up on and, of course, giving it a much better chance of going in the hole. So keep it short and sweet. Short takeaway, sweet result. Ball goes in the cup for you. When you get ready to make that putt, really important that you keep your head still. I see it happen all the time. Golfers get anxious, and they want to see if the ball's going in the hole, and they turn their head. Oh, did it go in? Oh, no, it didn't. So make sure you keep your head directly over that golf ball and keep your head still. Wait until the ball drops in the cup. Hear it drop in the cup before you turn and look. Because I've mentioned this in a previous podcast. If you go back and listen to episode one, 
when I talked about putting, I gave the, the great analogy of you're riding down the road and you look off the side of the road to see something and the next thing you know, your steering wheel is drifting that way. So if your head turns, your putter head is going to have a tendency of going with it. Therefore, you may miss that putt. Keep that head over the ball. Keep it solid. Don't turn the head. Hear the putt drop in the cup. And finally, you just want to commit to the putt. This means letting the putter continue down that line and don't decelerate. When we know we have a short putt, we have a tendency of decelerating because we know the ball is not supposed to go a long way. And we hesitate, and that may come from some of the nervousness and the fear of missing that putt. So commit to it. Make it rattle the back of the cup. Most tour players, when they have these short putts, they're going to putt it and try to hit the back of the cup because it's going to hold that line a lot better and you got a better chance of making it when it holds that line, of course. So commit to the putt. Don't decelerate through it. Continue that putter. Pass the golf ball towards the hole, and you're going to have a real good result with that. It's going to hold that line like I mentioned. You're going to make that putt. In summary, how to make shorter putts. You want to have a pre-putt routine, number one. Number two, you want to make sure that your putter is in your palm. Don't grip the putter in your fingers. Three, you want to have positive thoughts. No negative thoughts when you get over that putt. Deep breaths also help with that. Number four, short takeaway. Remember, short takeaway has a sweet result. Keep it short and sweet. Ball is going to go in the cup more. Number five, you want to keep your head still. Don't peek. Don't turn that head. Keep it over the golf ball. Hear the ball drop in the cup. And then finally, you want to commit to the putt. That means letting that putter head continue past the golf ball and hit the back of the cup. Try to aim for the back of the cup. Don't decelerate through your putt. All you got to do is just tap it in. Just tap it in. Good luck with this. I know it'll work for you. Just trust it. Commit to it. Go out to the putting green and do some putting drills. Surround the cup in a circle, maybe a five-foot circle, and then move into three feet. Put ten balls around the cup. See how many of those you make. You want to make all of them, of course. Worst case, you want to be about 80%. But definitely do that drill. It'll help you a lot. Just go around the hole with those golf balls and keep track of it. Like I've mentioned in previous podcasts, you always want to keep track of your stats. Do a 10-ball segment. Do two or three of them in a practice session. Write down how many you made or the percentage that you made. And then come back the next time and try to beat that. Try to beat your high score. Be competitive with yourself make your practice measurable, and that way you'll know if you're getting better, if you're staying the same, or not improving at all. You can also come see me for a golf lesson. I can give you some really effective drills that'll help you, some fun drills, some games you can play, and we can get you started on your way to making more putts and lowering those scores. Good luck. How would you like to watch the Kentucky Derby in a fun and unique way and at the same time benefit a tremendous cause? Well, I'm about to tell you. It's the 6th Annual Kentucky Derby Viewing Party and Silent Auction hosted by First Tee Upstate on Saturday, May the 1st from 5 to 7 p.m. at Fleur Field in downtown Greenville. You have two ticket options to take advantage of for this wonderful event. 
The first option is Millionaire's Row VIP ticket. There's only 75 of these available for $125. It's a smoking deal because let me tell you what you're going to get with that. Not only do you get to view the Kentucky Derby on this huge screen at Fleur Field and have the experience of that wonderful facility at Fleur Field, but you also get a $25 Uber ride credit the day of the event. One BMW Charity Pro-Am patron ticket. It'll give you access to both courses for all four rounds for that tournament. It'll take place June 10th through the 13th. It also gives you access to a special VIP area to watch Jared Emerson paint an original piece live at the event on Saturday. If you've never witnessed Jared Emerson paint, you don't want to miss this. And then Friday, April the 30th, you'll get to experience the VIP Bourbon and Beamers event that's going to take place at the BMW Performance Center. You get to have a special bourbon and wine tasting, and then you get to buckle up as a passenger for a hot lap with one of the BMW Performance Center's instructors as they drift and they accelerate around the track. It is definitely a ride you will never forget. The second option is the paddock, which is the general mission ticket for $60. Of course, this is going to entitle you entry into the 6th Annual Kentucky Derby Viewing Party, and it also comes with open bar and delicious hors d'oeuvres. Trust me, you do not want to miss this wonderful event. Don your best derby attire for the Run for the Roses and join like-minded supporters for fun, frivolity, and fundraising. Don't miss out on the most exciting two minutes in sports on the biggest screen in Greenville at Floor Field and raise money for a fantastic cause at the same time, benefiting First Tee Upstate. For more information and to purchase tickets, visit their website at firstteeupstate.org. Again, that's firstteeupstate.org. Don't miss this fantastic event. You'll be so glad you attended. Our guest on this podcast is Jordan Crandall. Jordan is a foot jewelry representative, been with him for a number of years. We talk about how he got involved with that company, the history of Foot Joy, all the terrific shoes that Foot Joy has out right now, and also how to pick the right shoe. You see all these shoes on the shelf, and you're like, which one should I go with? Should I go spikeless? Should I go spiked? I have no idea. He's going to guide you through that and give you some advice on how to pick the best shoe for your game. And we also talk about their apparel, their wonderful shirts, their tour presence, who they have out there on tour, and the percentage of tour players that are playing with their golf shoes, the R&D that goes behind their product, and so much more. It's a wonderful interview. You're going to hear some things about FootJoy that you may not have ever heard of, and it will help you get a real good insight into that company, have a tremendous appreciation for the type of product they put out year in and year out. So without further ado, let's jump right into that interview with Jordan Crandall with FootJoy. Jordan, welcome to the podcast, man. I really appreciate your time. How are you? Steve, I'm great. How are you today? I am fantastic. Uh, cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule for coming on. I know you're busy right now. And uh, before we jump in to all, everything new going on with FootJoy and, and history of FootJoy and everything going on with that company, let's talk a little bit about you and your history with the company. You graduated college in 2004 from Western Michigan. And man, you didn't waste any time. You jumped right into the golf business. You started out with Titleist and you've worked your way up. Uh, talk to me about that adventure and how you've gotten to where you are now and maybe some of the cool things you've seen along the way. Yeah. Well, Steve, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, golf's just been part of my life since I was about four years old. Um, and, and I, uh, 
I got to know a Titleist sales rep in Chicago when I was in uh, early stages of college. And I said, you know, wait a minute, that's a job. And then I said, <laughs> well, I want that job. And uh, I got to know him really well. His name is Kent Sands and he's been a dear friend to many in our company forever and retired a few years ago, but put me in, in contact with the right people with the company. And, you know, when you're in college, you, you're sort of brainwashed into thinking that every company is always hiring and they're hiring your major. And uh, we know that's not the case, but um, I lived that same same belief throughout college, but I happened to get to know the right people with a Kushnet company. And a Kushnet is the, of course, the brands of Titleist and FootJoy and uh, was fortunate to move out to Massachusetts to headquarters shortly after graduation. And from there took off on a journey with, with the Titleist brand. Uh, it lasted a little over seven years various roles in customer service and, and really got got an intimate look at many facets of our business from customer service to accessories to golf ball forecasting and leadership and tour players and I spent stints in all of those departments but when uh, when I had the chance to become a sales rep with FootJoy in 2011 I jumped at it and uh, you know same family same family of brands and it's been a great ride ever since. Yeah, I mean, what a what a job to land straight out of straight out of college. I mean, you love the game of golf. You grew up around it, and that's a, a dream come true for a lot of people graduating college is to land a sales position, and that's your major with a, one of the top golf companies in the world. So, kudos to you for that. That's wonderful. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, you know, you just you, I almost compare it to minor league baseball. You have a love of the game. And you're going to give it a certain period of time. And, and that, that stint in customer service in Fairhaven was really just not only testing myself to, to, to learn as much as I could, but, you know, the company's looking at me too. Is this guy fit enough to, you know, be a steward for our brands for decades to come? And uh, I was lucky enough that, that it worked out. And it's uh, my, my little dream I had when I was, when I was 18, 19 years old that, it happened and it's been a I've been living it ever since well since 2011 so you guys have a tremendous history in the game of golf and some of the things I have here in front of me I was astounded I had absolutely no clue any of this uh happened with you guys for example uh, 1857 is when you guys were founded I had no clue y'all have been around that long <laughs> it's pretty incredible. yeah 1927 you became the shoe chosen by the captain at that time, Walter Hagen, for the U.S. team to wear during the inaugural Ryder Cup. That's unbelievable. 1945, you became the number one shoe on the PGA Tour, and that was a mark that you've had every single tournament since then. You haven't relinquished that at all. And that's just a few of these, these uh, historical moments you guys have in the, in the game of golf. I'm going to put a link in the show notes for all the listeners to other historic moments. But talk to me about that. It's pretty hard to fathom, and uh, you know our, our our industry at times is is uh, we, you know our industry is based on history and and uh, very much a a part of our past, and and uh, we try not to to lose sight of that. But I think sometimes we we get caught by the flashy you know the flashy new stuff and and uh, you know new new upcoming brands and and big brands that that come in and make a lot of noise and spend a lot of money to try to capture the consumer's attention and 
it's pretty hard to to find a brand that that has had this the amount of success and dominance and uh carrying that that label of number one for for two years let alone for you know on the pga tour for almost 80 years so it's a uh it's tremendous responsibility but something that we we take pride in and it also gives every one of us something to live up to you know as we as we produce and design and manufacture and sell products but um thankfully the the golfer uh it resonates with the golfer and and knock on wood we will uh we'll be looking up here in uh another hundred years and continue the streak so but pretty pretty amazing really well i don't see you guys going anywhere with the phenomenal products you make it's uh it's the best in, in the business and I highly encourage all of you to go out, click that link that's going to be in the show notes. Go read some other fascinating history behind the company. I'll throw out another one. You launched your gloves in 1979, and it's been one of the best gloves out there, if not the best glove out there on the market ever since then. So go and check that out in the show notes. There's going to be a link there for you. You mentioned this earlier, and some of the listeners may not have known that, is you guys are a cushioning company, so it's Foot Joy co-branded with Titleist. Tell me about that relationship. Yeah, you know, we, it's always been Titleist Foot Joy since I joined the company, but it really didn't happen until the late 80s where the two brands became married and under one umbrella, which is the Akushnet company. And, you know, I still meet golfers to this day that go, wait a minute, Titleist owns Foot Joy? And, and I kind of nod my head and say, you know, somewhat. <laughs> We're, we're owned by one company and, and Titleist is one brand underneath and so is Footjoy. But there's, there's so much collaboration and, and shared values. And it, it, I can only think back to what the decision makers thought back in the late 80s. I mean, the marriage was, was so fitting. But not only in tour presence, but history, um, demographic, who we aspire to be. Um, the products that we make and the pride that we we take in them and and really it goes down into all the way at the local level the the people manufacturing golf balls and making foot joy shoes for so many years and there's a lot of pride at the local level that was shared and and we continue that to this day in terms of not only tour support you know we try to be the head to toe or full line provider for the majority of tour players and we and and we certainly are in terms of the consumer's eyes. You know, we want every piece of golf equipment. Um, you know, we want it to be Titleist or Foot Joy, and and uh, it just seems to resonate. I keep going back to that word, but um, the uh, the core values, who we are, the history, it, it just works. And and we so we look at it as we're one. You know, we're not separate brands. We are we're all in this together. It's why you see the FJ logo on the side of, of Titleist headwear often. Um, often you'll see a guy in foot joy shoes on, on the various tours or even at your local club. He's a Titleist guy. So it, uh, the, uh, the culture of both companies is, is really one culture um, and has been for a while now. And, and there's a lot of pride in that. I think what's special about you guys or unique is that you only specialize in golf, nothing else. You know, the company also has a fantastic on-course presence. And when you go to golf courses, uh, that's one of the prominent brands there in the golf shop. 
you, know, you think about it, other footwear or apparel companies in the world of golf, they focus their time and their R&D on other sports as well as golf. This has to give you guys a, a distinct advantage over these companies. What, what are your feelings on this? You know, I'm glad you brought it up because it, you hit the nail on the head. We, 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 like to, uh, we like to remind people that every single day, every employee of our company, even non-product related, um, they wake up and they are actively consumed and striving to be better and thinking about golf. They're working for a golf company. So there's an extreme focus there that, that we believe pays off. It, it pays off in our R&D, in our, in our products, and how we speak to the golfer because we are golfers. And, and, you know, a lot of companies, that's not who they are. You said it. That there's been just some huge companies come into golf, and they are, they are very stretched thin on, on uh, the many other industries that they're involved in. Um, but they have the money to spend and, and, uh, we, we somehow managed to, uh, to navigate those waters and, and God willing, we will, uh, we'll continue to be golf only and, and that'll be our passion and focus for a long time. But we believe it makes a difference. Let's talk about the great line of shoes you guys have this year. What can golfers expect to see from the quality and the design of these shoes to not only, you know, make them feel comfortable, because obviously that's a huge part of it. They want to be feel comfortable when they're on the golf course, but also to enhance their golf game. Yeah, Steve, we're excited. We, uh, you know, we have, gosh, we've got eight or nine different categories of, of men's shoes, actually more than that. But in terms of shoes that people would put on their feet to go play golf, and it, we try to be everything to everyone. And, but yet if you drill down to each category, we want to be the best in, in each segment. So, um, the most exciting launch that we have is the new premier series. And I'm sure most everybody is seeing some guys on tour wearing this shoe. We, we took a, we took a bit of a leap and, you know, dry joys were around for over 30 years and icons and classics. And, and there's a long history of those shoes. And as of spring of this year, those are no longer around and they have been supplanted by this new shoe named premier series. Um, it's the perfect blend of heritage, uh, nostalgia, timeless. The word timeless exists for a reason. It, it will always be, uh, in, in style. Um, there'll be people that desire that look and we've just, it's, it's the lightest weight, conservative stable tour level shoe that we've been able to produce while maintaining that that classic look so we launched it last year at the the uh, rescheduled masters it quickly became number one and, and it's been the most worn at every tour event since in terms of individual model and and that's saying something because we have quite a bit of guys in pro sl out there um it just speaks to the number of guys that were we're wearing those other categories, the icon drive joy, um, and those models. So, but on down to, you know, if, if, if somebody's more price conscious, we, we want to deliver to that market too. Um, spikeless, we want to have each level of spikeless covered. So we have Stratos, um, that's a high end leather, um, high, really high performance outsole that you don't normally see in a spikeless, sort of uh, put on in the morning and wear all day kind of shoe. 
and uh, it's uh, it's it's beautiful. It's beautiful to look at. The leather is supple, and we think uh, we think guys are really going to like it. Um, and each of these shoes I'm mentioning, we have in ladies too. We have a ladies premier series. It's worn all over the LPGA tour. Um, same with Stratos. You're gonna you're gonna see that for women as well. And in traditions, you may have seen that one of our local guys, Lucas Glover. He was wearing that. Uh, he's been wearing it the past few weeks, but he had it on this week. Had a pretty good finish. It's sort of the blend of the the everyday what we call disposable shoe. You know the the under a hundred dollar spikeless shoe except it has cleats and it has a traditional upper, but it has a really lightweight, fun, modern outsole. So we've got a number of, uh, of new models we're excited about, but yet we don't want to forget about a pro SL, which has been the, the most worn and most sold shoe of the past four to five years. And, and we've got quite a few colors there too. So we're very fortunate. You know, we've never, we've never told tour players what to wear. Some companies sort of dictate, we want you all to wear this shoe you know, at the upcoming event. And, and it's cool. It makes for great pictures. But we tend to look at shoes as an extension of your equipment. It's not just a, it's not just a piece of fashion. And, and players are particular about their shoe. It, the, uh, the swing starts from the ground up. And as a result, we have guys in about seven or eight different categories on tour, which is uh, pretty unique. And also keeps our R&D team awfully busy. Sure, I bet. I'll tell you another shoe you guys have out, which we have in our golf shop. I love this shoe. A lot of great designs at Superlight XP. Tell me about that one. Yeah, yeah. So the, the Superlight XP, it's, it's exactly what the name says. It is super light. It and, is. And it's, uh, its design was born from, from Pro SL. It features the same tread pattern um, in terms of traction points on the bottom of the sole. It just doesn't have the lateral stability that, say, a Pro SL might have. So, mm -hmm. but it's a great blend of, of, especially in our warm weather of the Upstate, um, that summertime shoe that you you want to wear and be comfortable in, and, and likely walk, um, carry your bag, push your bag. Um, it's just a, it's a nice blend, and it keeps the price down. It's waterproof and stays stays under a hundred bucks, and and that means something. Even even the guy that you know, me, for instance, I, I, like, I like the premier traditional look. But I also have those casual nines or that trip to the range. It's a quick trip. I, I'm not putting on my gamer shoes. I'm putting on a pair of Flex XP or Super Lights and, and uh, go, go hit some balls, chip and putt. And I, I feel like we all play different levels of golf or levels of rounds. You know, your, your Saturday morning where you're posting a score or playing in a tournament is is far different than the nine and dine with your wife and kids or a or a Monday corporate scramble that you might play in. So right. most people have a few pairs of shoes and and often they fall in far different categories and and uh we're fortunate to have a lineup that's pretty deep from top to bottom to be able to accomplish that. Well, you guys have a wonderful selection of shoes, obviously. And I think we've all been in this situation where we're standing in the golf shop and we're looking at all these great options you guys have to offer, or maybe you're browsing online. What advice would you give a golfer who's trying to sees all these selections in front of him and says, okay, well, I like that one. I like that one, but I'm not sure if that one's best for me. What advice would you give them on choosing a shoe that would be best for them? That's a great question. And, and that is the, uh, 
that's the question that keeps us all going from R&D to sales <laughs> is, is how does the consumer's mind operate? And uh, it's changed a lot. So I think the first thing that, that most consumers do is, is it's got to look good. Mm -hmm. I think that's the progression. How does this look? Next thing you do is you go and grab the shoe and, and you kind of feel it, touch it, and sometimes even smell it if it's leather to go, oh, is that good leather or not? And, <laughs> right. And, uh, and then hopefully you try it on. And, and we know as a company that if you try on a FootJoy shoe and it's in the right size, more often than not, it's going to feel pretty good. And, and our name has a lot to live up to. When you, when you called yourself FootJoy, uh, many decades ago, it's a lot to live up to. So, um, but in, in terms of performance, I, stability is key. You're looking at stability, weight. And when we say stability, if you think about a golf swing, your back swing, there's a little sway and everybody should finish on their front foot. So the lateral stability portion of it is very important. And sometimes guys, guys get hung up on the weight of the shoe how light it is, how comfortable, how perceived or how they perceive it as being comfortable because of that. Mm -hmm. But they may, they may not be uh, valuing the performance aspect enough because Steve, you've taught a lot of lessons and, and some guys finish on their back foot or they're a little sloppy in their follow through and sort of fall all over the place. I can tell you this, you're not going to get worse at golf by wearing a more stable shoe. Well, in that, in thinking about that, you mentioned that's a great point. You know, hey, I'm trying to get to a finish position or rotate my body, have my legs more solidified uh, to transfer that weight and get to the finish. Should they think about spike shoes as opposed to non-spike shoes? When do you need to evaluate that and know, hey, you know what? A non-spike shoe is better than a spike shoe or vice versa. Yeah. You know, that, that's another trend that's it's hardly a trend anymore. It's, it's become such a force in the, in the golf footwear market is spikeless versus cleated. And, you know, years ago, a, a cleated shoe, all you had were those 11 pegs on the bottom of the shoe and that's right. it. And the rest of the shoe is a pretty flat bottom. Well, now there's lots of different traction points or protrusions that act as spikes throughout the whole outsole of the shoe. So sometimes a spikeless shoe has, has more traction than, say, an old cleated shoe, mm -hmm. just simply based on, on uh, how many points are coming in contact with the ground. That said, though, as far as lateral stability, it goes more into the construction of the outsole. So we mentioned Pro SL is more stable than Superlights XP. That's simply the what we call durometer or the... Uh, the flexibility of the materials in the outsole. So mm -hmm. you'll hear shoe companies say TPU, EVA. TPU is a plastic, so it's harder. EVA is, is a form of rubber. Most of the spikeless shoes have a rubber outsole, so they just flex a lot more. If you can blend TPU, which is plastic, it's way more stable. So Pro SL, that, that outer, outer layer is what's keeping you secure to the ground. And that's what's found in our Premier Series, formerly Dry Joys. Um, Tour X is, is the most stable shoe on the market. A lot of stability there. So you just don't want to sacrifice all of the stability by going to, say, a price point shoe that's, that's really low and rubber or spikeless outsole just because it's comfortable. Because next thing you know, those swing mechanics, what's bad will be enhanced 
and conversely, what's good will become better. So, sure. It sounds like if you if you're a good player and you're generating a lot of leg force, you know, from the ground upward, uh, you know, a lot of club head speed. Sounds to me like maybe that Tour X or that Premier Series or the Pro SL might be a better choice there to give you the stability because you're generating so much club head speed. You're generating so much drive, so much leg force through that golf shot. No doubt. No doubt. And, and, and really it comes down to mechanics. You know, you teach enough guys that rarely do you find the guy with that real slow, smooth tempo like a Justin Rose, Freddie Couples, Ernie Els. You know, those guys could probably play barefooted and it wouldn't affect them. Most of us um, tend to be a little, a little herky-jerky with our, with our mechanics. We thrust at the ball. We, we're on our toes. Justin Thomas is somebody. I mean, he's off the ground almost when he hits a driver. Right. And as a result, he, he wears a, a pretty stable shoe. He's in Premier Series. So it, uh, but again, it, it, most everybody tends to have a couple of those different levels and, and, if you're going out and just casually hitting range balls or chipping and putting or, or just a, a quick nine with your kids, where, you know, where, where the, uh, the lightweight tennis shoe style, it, it's, uh, we all have room for that. You mentioned Justin Thomas, you guys have a phenomenal tool presence, some interesting statistics. Uh, 57% of the players on the PGA tour are wearing foot joy shoes, 55% on European, 45% on LPGA, and then 71% on the Corn Ferry Tour. So the majority of the players out there on tour are wearing foot joy, which is incredible. Who can listeners expect to see wearing your gear? Obviously, Justin Thomas, you're watching the Masters coming up or any other PGA Tour event. Who are your prominent guys out there? Yeah, we are. Um, so you know, one of our one of our – I guess core values and, and it's our tagline when we say number one shoe in golf or number one glove in golf, it, it's not based on, Hey, the number one player in the world is wearing it. We, we want to have the greatest number of players wearing, wearing our products. And that's where the number one comes from. So you mentioned some of the stats We're we're excited this week being masters week. We're working. This is the 75th straight masters that foot joy will be the most worn shoe. And wow. That's it, just a staggering number, and and uh, really that number, number one since 1945. That's because that's when they started counting on tour. So it, it's uh, we're very fortunate. But um, you know, we've got a lot of guys on on really even in the top top 50 in the world from Webb Simpson, Max Homa. Those guys are full line guys. They're head to toe in Foot Joy apparel, and then they're playing uh, Titleist product and uh, Foot Joy everything. So. Um, but Justin Thomas, Adam Scott, Patrick Cantley, Billy Horschel, Lee Westwood recently, a couple fun fun Sundays watching him. But um, local guys, Kevin Kisner, Lucas Glover, these guys will be wearing our shoes and, and more often than not our gloves as well. So we look forward to watching leaderboards all week and, and take a little pride in, in seeing, quote, unquote, our guys up there. But in the end, we're all golfers and, and uh, we, we just we, – we, we, we live for the entertainment of it regardless, but it's always a little more fun when a foot joy guy ends up on top. Absolutely. Well, of course you guys make the best shoe out there, but we haven't really talked much about your golf shirts. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I wear nothing but foot joy golf shirts. I love them. <laughs> uh, it's just, I can't get myself to switch to anything else. And talk to me about the shirts. I mean, we have, 
your golf shirt center golf shop and the designs on these things are amazing uh, we get compliments all the time from golfers coming into the shop oh i love that one. Oh, i gotta have that one your camo shirt for example is one of those talk to me a little bit about the shirts and uh and, and what kind of r&d goes into that and, and the design behind those yeah well thanks for thanks for bringing that up this, this shirt thing um not a thing but a, but a the shirt segment of our business and apparel in general, you know, we, we started in 1997, we launched Footjoy Rainwear and, and shortly thereafter it became number one and it's been that way ever since. And, and, uh, about gosh, almost 10 years ago, we're looking at the landscape and, and golf apparel is, is the most crowded landscape or segment in any golf shop. There's hundreds of vendors, many of them boutique, um, a few heavy hitters that always kind of led the way, but even some of those maybe don't align with every shop. You know, the, the high-end private club is likely stocking a little bit different than, say, the, the Muni um, catering to everyday play. So we commissioned a big-time study and just really to decide, is this something we want to get into? And, and if so, do we make it ourselves? Do we outsource it? Uh, do we buy an existing company? And we decided, you know what? we have enough resources and relationships. We're going to do this and we're going to do it well. We're going to do it ourselves. And we launched full lines, men golf, men's golf apparel in 2012. Nine months later, we were in the top five. We were in just about every shop from, you know, from like we said, the, the high end to the Muni, we had the perfect price point. It was, it was traditional design, but performance fabrics. We felt there was a void there. And we've been running with it ever since. And the designs, we try to follow market trends. Our design team's phenomenal. I mean, they're, they're already working on fall of 2022. Wow. Which is, which is, you know, that's just a different world. You know, Steve, you've, you've gotten together with plenty of sales reps and you're booking out four to six months in advance. Well, the, the, the designers behind those products they're, they're well in advance. I mean, they're, they're well in the future, I should say. So they draw inspiration from just market trends. They take trips to various cities throughout the, the world and just get design, design uh, inspiration. Could be homeware, could be colors they see that are prevalent. And, and all of that gets, gets evaluated and factored in to come out with what's next. And the golfers have responded. And uh, we're, we're thankful for it, and, and hopefully we'll, we'll keep delivering on our end. I'm, I know we will, and um, thanks to guys like you that believe in it and wear it, and, and your members appreciate it. Well, I know I can't wait to see all the great things you guys are coming out with. I'm going to be meeting with you soon to go over that fall line and looking at that and doing my pre-books. I'm really excited about it, and uh, can't wait to see what you guys continue to do going forward with the spring line of next year. Like I said, we're fully stocked with your shoes and your shirts this year and uh, could not be happier with what you guys have put out this year. It's phenomenal as always. And you guys clearly have your finger on the pulse of what's going on in golf. Keep up the great work. I encourage you to go out and visit their website. It's easy to remember, footjoy.com. So go check it out. You can look at all the lines that we're talking about here today, whether it be shirts, whether it be shoes whether that be socks it could be anything rain gear gloves go check it out we also have a catalog in our golf shop that we put out for golfers to look at and place special orders 
And also I encourage you to go follow them on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. They have all those pages out there and keep up with the latest and greatest things going on at FootJoy. Jordan, man, I'm super excited. I'm always excited about FootJoy, but after hearing all this, I'm even more excited. Thank you so much for taking time to come on the podcast today, being my guest and uh, educating the listeners. Thank you. Steve, thank you. And uh, thank, thanks for all you do to help help promote and support and drive excitement to this great game of ours. And, and hopefully we do a little bit of the same so that when they come in, into your golf shop, they're excited about FootJoy and we help add excitement to their games. And uh, I wish everybody a great Masters week. 75 straight years, FootJoy on top in terms of the shoe count. And we can't wait to watch the action in Augusta this week. So, Steve, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jordan. Take care, man. You too. If you want to take control of your health and feel so much better, I encourage you to check out Pure on Main. They have two locations on Main Street in downtown Greenville, across from the Hyatt, and another location on Cannon Street in beautiful downtown Greer. Pure on Main provides you with essential services and products, allowing you to live a healthier, more fulfilling life. Pure on Main is one of the most exclusive and unique health and wellness centers in the upstate. They've been nominated as one of Greenville's best wellness centers for five consecutive years. Betsy and her staff provide services such as colon hydrotherapy, massage therapy, ionic foot detox, and wellness consulting. They also have a store filled with beneficial items for your body and soul. Pure on Main is dedicated to helping and serving their community. Please give them a call and let them recommend the best products to help keep you and your family safe during these challenging times. I get all of my wellness supplements from them and I feel amazing. Visit their website at pureonmain.com. Again, that's pureonmain.com where you can also purchase their phenomenal products to be shipped to you for free. Yeah, you heard me right. Free right to your door or you can pick them up at their downtown Greenville or Greer locations. So what are you waiting for? Start living healthier and pure with the help of Pure on Maine. You won't regret it. Before we jump into the next segment, I want to thank you very much for your support of this podcast. I ask that you please share this podcast with your golfing group, your friends, your family, anyone who shares your passion or your interest in golf. Please tell them about this podcast. The more people I can reach, the more people I can help, the more we can grow this game. Remember, the whole purpose of this podcast is to inspire, is to educate, and is to entertain you. And I hope I'm doing all that through this podcast for you each and every episode. Also, share it on social media. You're welcome to tag me in that post. Anybody who shares my podcast and they tag me in it, you're going to automatically be put into a drawing for a free 30-minute golf lesson. So if you want a free lesson, go out there, just click the share button, tag me, real simple. Put it out there to your friends, family, on social media, and you have a chance of winning that free 30-minute golf lesson with me. Also, please visit my website at GoForthGolfInstruction.com. Again, that's GoForthGolfInstruction.com. You can also follow me on social media. It's at GoForthGolfInstruction on Facebook. It's sgoforth underscore PGA on Instagram. And it's at GoForthGolf on Twitter. And also, come see us at Willow Creek. Set up a tee time by calling us or going on our website and booking your tee time there. You can learn everything you need to know about Willow Creek Golf Club on our website. We'd love to see you. Thank you again for your support. Now let's head into the next segment. 
the 85th Masters is upon us, and let me tell you something, I am so excited to be sitting in front of this microphone talking to you about the Masters back in its traditional spot of mid-April. Yes, we only had to wait five months to watch the Masters again. That's pretty cool. It's been five months since these players teed it up at the Herald Grounds of Augusta National, so I'm thankful for that. But man, I tell you what, there's nothing better than to feel the warmth in the air, to see those azaleas blooming, to look at how beautiful that golf course is in the springtime, and just kicking off the golf season. I think all of you will agree that the Masters is like that official kickoff of the golf season, and I am so excited about it. I'm looking forward to talking to you about my predictions, the people I think have a really good shot of winning the Masters and putting on that green jacket this year, and also about the golf course itself. The weather is always something you want to consider when you're at Augusta. As of right now, at the time I'm recording this, the weather doesn't look too bad. Right now, the percentage of rain in Augusta, about 40 to 45%, both Thursday and Friday. Temperatures are going to be in the mid-70s. Saturday, the rain increases above 50%, 70 degrees. And then Sunday is looking really nice, mid-70s, lower percentage of rain. So, you know, it's going to be hit or miss, maybe some afternoon showers, hopefully not a lot to affect the golf tournament, but temperatures should be in the 70s all weekend, and I've seen forecasts a lot worse in the past, so we'll see what happens with the weather. Mother Nature is very difficult to predict. Speaking of predictions, before I jump into my predictions, I want to touch on just a little bit about the golf course and how it's going to be playing this weekend. I anticipate the golf course conditions to be firm and fast. Now, if you remember back in November, the course was a little softer and the players were able to be very aggressive with their shots into the greens because the greens were holding a lot more than normal. Players this year will be accustomed to the traditional green conditions and they're going to have to be calculating and precise with their approach shots. They can't just throw golf balls into the green. They've got to be strategic about where they're going to put that ball on the green so that it leaves them in the best position to make putts. And also, so it doesn't roll into a bad position on the green because of all the undulations or even roll off the green. Speaking of that, if it does roll off the green, I talked about this back in November, but I can't express enough about the importance of having a good short game at Augusta National. I've played that golf course. I understand all the undulations and how severe they can be around the greens. Your approach shots, you're standing in the middle of the fairway, you're looking at this approach shot, and you're like, where in the world should I put this thing in order for it to be safe, especially considering where the pin position may be. Now, there are going to be certain holes where it could be best to miss the green if you don't put that golf ball in the spot it needs to be on the green. Let me repeat that. If you don't put the golf ball in the correct spot on the green. Don't go out saying, oh, Steve's saying you ought to miss greens at Augusta National. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when there are certain pin positions, you don't put the ball where it needs to be put, Maybe you're better off if it did roll off the side of the green or you left a little short, little long, little off to the side to chip up and then get up and down and get out of there. You have a better chance of getting up and down in certain positions where the pin may be than you would making two putts. You have a a bigger chance of three putting if you put it on the wrong spot on the green. That's kind of what I'm saying here. You don't want to put it in the wrong spot. Leave yourself the opportunity of three putting. Sometimes it's best just to chip up one putt and get the heck out of there and get to the next hole. Certain greens you want to keep your eye on is number 10, number 11, uh, 4, and 5, just off the top of my head, that, hey, you got to be careful where you put that ball on that green. Of course, like I said back in November, the the par 5s have always proven to be very manageable, and eagles and birdies 
have to be made. If you're going to compete at Augusta National, if you're going to put that green jacket on, if you're making pars on the par fives, you're done. You're toast. You've got to make birdies and eagles. You've got to be able to put yourself in position off the tee, especially 13 around the bend, in order to have a good shot into that green, possibly make eagle. Same thing on all of those par fives. One of the par fives that surprises me that I don't see more eagles at is number eight. I keep hoping that one of the leaders will make an eagle coming down the stretch, but a lot of times they're just happy to get par there and get the heck out of there to the next hole to number nine. But you got to make birdies and eagles on the par fives if you want to win at Augusta. So keep your eye on those par fives this weekend, and I can guarantee you whoever wins this thing will definitely have a higher percentage of birdies or eagles on those par fives. Before I jump into my predictions here, I want to share some interesting statistics with you. I thought this stuff was really neat when I found this. So eight out of the last 10 Masters winners had been ranked in the world's top 20. And 10 out of the last 10 have been ranked in the world's top 30. So you can pretty much bet that whoever wins this thing is definitely going to be in the top 30. You may get a surprise here. I'm not saying that that's not going to happen, of course. This is Augusta. It's a major. It's golf. Anything can happen. But good chances are we're going to see the winner of this thing being out of the top 20 or maybe even top 30. Another interesting stat I ran across was that nine out of the last 10 winners were not the world number one. Let me repeat that. They were not the world number one. That kind of shocked me. I thought we'd see more number ones win this tournament. Only one number one ranked golfer in the world has won within the last 10 years. That's a very interesting statistic there. Nine out of the last 10 were under the age of 40. Obviously, Tiger was that uh, that one that did it. So that person is probably going to be under the age of 40, possibly, to win this thing. And then five out of the last 10 were in their 30s. So just some really cool, interesting stats that maybe you hadn't heard of before. And something to keep an eye on this weekend when we see who wins this thing. So as I go into my top 10 golfers here, I believe that one of these 10 guys can win it. Now I'm going to rank these from 10 all the way up to 1. 10 obviously being one that has a lesser chance than number 1. But let me express the fact that I really believe that one of these 10 guys will walk away with the green jacket this year. Coming in at number 10, Colin Morikawa. He is ranked number four in the world rankings. Last year, he finished 44th. His average finish so far in 2001 is 19th. So averaging all of his tournaments this year and where he finished, he's averaging 19th this year. Colin strikes the ball well. He seems to do pretty well at Augusta those first few rounds. He sort of phased a little bit there at the end, but don't be surprised if Colin makes a run at the green jacket this year because he's a great ball striker, as we all know. He has a good mindset. He's a hard worker, and I would not be surprised to see him win this thing. Coming in at number nine is Xander Shoffley. He is sixth in the world rankings. He's missed the cut one time this year, and he's averaged 12th in all the other finishes so far in 2021. Last year at the Masters, he finished tied for 17th. Xander's another one. He seems to feel comfortable at Augusta. His name is on the leaderboard a lot. We see his name quite often. And he just has that presence about him to where he seems to like Augusta National. It's like he's ready to break through at any moment in time. So keep your eye on Xander. Another one that could really make a run at that green jacket this year. At number eight is Patrick Cantley. 
He is ranked number 10 in the world rankings. He's missed one cut this year so far, but he's averaged eighth in the other finishes in 2021. Last year, he finished tied for 17th as well. Another person you want to keep your eye on, striking the ball well right now, has some confidence, can putt really well, and that's what you have to do at Augusta National. We'll see how he plays out this year. At number seven is Brooks Kapka. He is ranked 12th in the world rankings. He's missed two cuts this year, and he's averaged 13th over the other three tournaments he's played in, obviously winning the Waste Management Phoenix Open. But the interesting thing about Brooks is he's coming off that knee surgery. How is he going to do? How is that going to hold up walking all those heels at Augusta National? Obviously, Brooks has done well at Augusta National in the past. Last year, he finished tied for seventh. I think the year before that, he was, I think, second. So another one that really seems to feel comfortable at Augusta. I've got him ranked seventh right now. You never know what can happen with Brooks. He can come out of nowhere. He gets in that zone, and he can win this thing. So who knows with Brooks? uh, He is very capable of winning this golf tournament. But again, I've got him ranked number seven. Coming in at the sixth slot, Roy McIlroy. He is number 11 in the world rankings. Rory missed the cut at the players and at the Genesis, but he averaged 11th over the other four tournaments with a fifth-place finish in one of those, and he finished fifth at last year's Masters. As you know, Rory wants this one really bad. He is chomping at the bits to take home a green jacket. It's the one that has eluded him so far of all the other majors. He wants it badly. I would love to see Rory win this thing. We'll see if he can persevere fight off some of those demons he has at Augusta National and take home that green jacket. Coming in at number five, he was my number one pick back in November. He let me down a little bit. Bryson DeChambeau, he is ranked fifth in the world rankings. He's missed a cut at the Genesis, but he's averaged eighth over the four tournaments with one of those being a victory at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, which was huge, and a third place finish at the Players. Last year, of course, he finished 34th. And it was a bit of a disappointment. What's he going to do this year? Is he going to scale back that driver a little bit? Is he going to be a little bit more precise and or strategic in how he bombs those balls off the tee? Who knows with Bryson? Uh, you know, I would not be disappointed to see him win this thing. I like Bryson, have no issues with him at all, and would like to see him get his second major tournament. But the key here is you have to drive the ball well, as we all know at Augusta National. Can he do that? Can he keep it in play? have those short irons into the greens, and make a lot of birdies and eagles. We'll find out. At the number four spot, the red-hot Jordan Spieth. He's currently ranked number 38 in the world rankings. That's up from 54, where he was before this past weekend's tournament, where he won the Valero Texas Open. Very proud of Jordan. I mean, he's really fought back hard to get that victory that's been eluding him for quite some time now. He did miss the cut at the Farmers Insurance, but he's averaged 14th over five tournaments before the Valero Texas Open. He was third at the AT&T Pro-Am, but he also had a fourth-place finish at the Arnold Palmer and the Waste Management. He finished 46th last year, past champion, certainly understands Augusta National, certainly feels comfortable there, got to have some confidence coming in, and not only as a past champion, but just winning that golf tournament in Texas. Would love to see Jordan Spieth win this golf tournament because it's just going to cap off this tremendous comeback that he's had so far. So keep your eye on Jordan. He's red hot right now. He wants another green jacket. Wouldn't be surprised if he walked out of there with another one.
Coming in at number three, John Rahm. He is number three in the world rankings currently. Hasn't missed a cut this year at all. He's averaged 12th over the six tournaments with his highest finish being fifth at the Genesis. He also finished seventh last year at the Masters. This is another one. He seems to really like Augusta National, feels comfortable there. You see his name on the leaderboard quite often. John Rahm is due for a Masters victory. But the biggest thing here is confidence. you got to be confident playing Augusta National. He seems to feel that way when he goes there. He has that presence about him, in my opinion. Another one to keep your eye on. Would not be surprised a bit if he walked out of there as the champion. Coming in at number two, Justin Thomas, currently ranked number two in the world rankings. He has missed a cut in one of his tournaments he played in, but he's averaged eighth over four other tournaments with a win at the Players. That's a big one. He finished fourth last year at the Masters, and just another player that seems to like Augusta National, and, and I've said this on a lot of the ones I've predicted so far, another one I like to see win. I have absolutely no issues with Justin Thomas. I like Justin Thomas. I like Rory. I like Jordan Spieth. I don't mind Shambo either. Any of the guys that I'm mentioning here today, I would not be disappointed to see them win, but I certainly have some favorites in there. But Justin Thomas is one of those. You know, he's a grinder. He works hard. He's laser-focused. Something you need at Augusta National to be able to block out those jitters. But got to think that that win at the players is a gigantic confidence booster for him because the players is sort of like a major, to be quite honest with you. Just hasn't been classified as one, obviously. But a huge tournament with a lot of pressure behind it. Justin has the ability, as we all know. Let's see if he can get it done. And finally, at the number one slot, ranked number one in the world rankings, you guessed it, Dustin Johnson, the defending champion. He's only played in four tournaments this year, which concerns me a little bit, but the highest finish being eighth at the Genesis. His average finish over the other three tournaments he's played in is 37th, again, on average. Only five months removed from being the champion, and maybe he still has that mojo in him from back in November. He may come out there just hitting bombs and just blow away the field again. We shall see. But Dustin's one of those guys. He's a cool cat. He keeps things calm and collected. And that's, again, what you have to do in any major. Would not be disappointed in any way, shape, or form if Dustin Johnson won this thing. Haven't seen too many back-to-back winners in many years at Augusta. Could this be the year? We'll see. So those are my 10 golfers that I really feel have the best opportunity to win at Augusta National. I do want to mention a long shot, a 40 to 1 odd right now, and that's Sung J.M. He played really well last year. Great ball striker. Keep your eye on him. I have him as my long shot in this year's tournament. So enjoy the Masters. Enjoy all the pageantry that surrounds it, the beauty of that golf course. Come out to see us at Willow Creek. We'll have our famous... Pimento cheese sandwiches and deviled egg sandwiches are Masters tradition. They're delicious. Don't miss out on that. And also come out and watch the Masters with us. We'd love to see you out there. Play around in the morning. Watch the Masters in the afternoon. Whatever you decide to do, enjoy it. Take it in because the Masters is back. We'll have patrons out there, which will be fantastic. I hope you enjoy it. Good luck to all the participants. And let's see who will be putting on that green jacket in 2021. Maybe. Yes, sir! That concludes episode number 17. Congratulations for making it all the way through for listening to this podcast. 
Thank you as always for your support. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, I always say this. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. It really means a lot to me that you dedicated your time to listening to this. And as always, I hope it's helped you. I hope it's educated you further. I hope it's entertained you. And I hope it's inspired you to play the game of golf even more. Go out and inspire others. Tell people about this podcast. Share what you've learned with other people. Tag me on social media. Let's get this community growing. Let's get this game growing. Let's get this game thriving bigger and better than it ever has before. Cannot do it without your help. Episode number 18 will be dropping in a couple of weeks. Remember, I drop my episodes the first Wednesday and the third Wednesday of every month. So two weeks from today, I'll be dropping episode number 18. In that episode, I'm going to be focusing on AI, artificial intelligence, and how it affects the world of golf. There's a lot of AI in the golf industry, and it makes this game even more interesting, even more fun, and it helps our golf game more than I think people realize. So don't miss out on episode 18, where I will focus on that topic. Until the next episode, I hope you hit your drives long and straight. I hope you hit more greens and regulation, and I hope you drain more putts. And most importantly, remember, we are here to have fun, so have fun with the game. Don't forget to do something nice for somebody today. And remember, together, let's go forth to a better golf game. You've been listening to the Go Forth and Golf Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to receive alerts on new episodes. For more information, please follow us on social media at Go Forth Golf Instruction or visit our website at GoForthGolfInstruction.com. Remember, together, let's go forth to a better golf game.